The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. someone beside you and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. How many of us have been sparkling more and more in our relationships? Amen. I trust you've been learning one or two things and you have been applying those things to your lives and you are getting results in the name of Jesus. Note the principles that we're teaching, like Pastor T said, it applies across the board, wherever Whatever your position or your situation may be, you know, uh, maritally, whether you're single, whether you're married, or whether you're somewhere else in between along the spectrum, these principles are good for all time. Glory to God. In the first service, I, I um, focused a bit more on the singles. And in this service, my focus is going to be more on the married. And so even if you're not married, I don't want you to tune off. Um, you can take time to listen to the first service, but like I said, these are principles that are good for all time. Glory to Jesus. We're talking about um, sparkles in our relationships. You know, when I think of that word, I think of um, what has become the symbol of, you know, many marriages. You know, when you're, when you're, for most people, when you get married, there's an exchange of rings, and most of the time, it's usually a gold ring that you will exchange. And you know, when you look at gold, gold has an inherent ability to shine and to sparkle. That's the nature of gold. That's the way it was created it to be. But how many of us know that by the time you wear gold for weeks and months and years, you rub cream on it, you spray perfume on it, you throw it in water, you know, it's exposed to all the seasons of life. And sometimes, many times, you can look at it and it looks so dull, it looks so attractive, so unattractive. And you're asking yourself that, uh -uh, I thought this was gold that was, you know, meant to be shine, meant to um, be always shining. But the moment that you, you take that gold, and you go and clean it, and you go and polish it, and you go and do some work on it, it begins to shine automatically. So that's why the fact that it had become dull, that's why the fact that it might have changed color, it might have accumulated all sorts of particles and, and, and all that, when you decide to pay attention to it, when you decide to clean it, when you decide to polish it, that natural shine will come forth again. And it's the same thing with our marriages. The Bible says that whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. If your marriage is born of God, it has the ability to overcome the world. Your marriage will be exposed to changing seasons of life. There will be good times, there will be bad times. There will be all sorts of things that are tossed in your direction. There will be weight that you would have to carry from time to time. There will be burdens that you will have to go through from time to time. There will be things that will weigh you down. And you might begin to ask yourself, seriously, what is all this about? 
But by the time you, you, you decide to, to pay attention to your marriage, you begin to work on your marriage, it can begin to sparkle again. It can begin to shine again. You can begin to get excited about it yet again. Glory to God. Marriage does not work on autopilot. It takes commitment, it takes dedication, and it takes intentionality. I said something in, in the first service that marriage, well, people say marriage is not a bed of roses, but marriage can be a bed of roses. But what you need to understand is that roses grow in the midst of thorns. Whichever rose that blossoms, there are thorns all around it. And the people that have learned to help their marriage blossom are those that have recognized the thorns, but irrespective of the thorns, they have been able to deal with those thorns, deal with those issues to the fact that, to the end, that it doesn't prevent that rose, that beauty in their marriage from coming out. Amen. So whatever challenge, whatever dark season, whatever changing season that your marriage might have experienced or might be experiencing today, I want to remind you that that marriage can sparkle again. God is, you know, a father, a God that specializes in bringing dead things to life. The Bible says that God calls those things that be not as though they were. So a marriage can be dead today, but if two people genuinely decide that they are going to focus on that marriage, they are going to give their best to that marriage, they are going to go back to the foundations on which that marriage was established. Everything that had been lost, everything that had been dead can come alive again. But it takes two people. But unfortunately, in many situations, we'll find marriages in which, you know, one person just decides that, I've had it. No, I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And then it becomes difficult for the other person because the marriage cannot thrive on one person's effort. It takes two people coming together intentionally to make it work. It takes two people coming together with commitment in their hearts and dedication to that union and deciding that they are going to make it work. And where that desire is in the hearts of two people in a marital relationship, whatsoever is born of God, you will overcome the challenge. You will overcome the dark seasons. You will overcome the difficulty. And that sparkle in your marriage can show forth again. Hallelujah. Job 14, 1479. Job 14, 79, it says, For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease, though its roots may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground. Yet at the scent of water it will board and bring forth branches like a plant. My desire is that for every marriage represented in this place, that the words that you are hearing will be like the scent of water that you need 
that will cause you to bud again. That will cause the branches of your marriage to sprout again. That will cause the beauty in your marriage to begin to show forth again. That will cause your marriage to begin to sparkle like never before. And even for those who don't have any issue per se, you know, things are fine. You are in a good place where with your spouse, you know, God wants to take you to another level of sparkling. God wants to take you to a higher level. You know, you know that, that it's just like, I mean, what, if, when you look at your relationship with God, you know, many of us can look back at times when we thought you were on fire for God and, you know, you were so full of God. And then you compare where you are today and you realize that, wow, I've experienced so much more of God that, you know, at that time in my life, I thought I had all, but there's so much more. You can get to the point where, you know, you are, you are, you are loving your partner more. You are experiencing more joy. You are experiencing more bliss. You are experiencing a greater level of contentment. You are experiencing a greater level of fulfillment. Hallelujah. In yourselves, in your marriage, in your relationships. So if you are going to live with someone till death do you part, you know, you have to keep exploring how you can constantly be into one another. Into one another. Because marriage is till death do you part. Amen. Till death do you apart. Glory to God. So God wants you to find something new that excites you about your partner. Something new that excites you about your marital relationship. That's God's desire. Amen. And so I'm just going to share on um, a, a few points for married people this morning. And I trust God that you will get one or two things that you can apply to your life, even if you are not married. Amen. So marriage is primarily about you, your partner, and God. Marriage is about you, your partner, and God. Now there are extras that come with marriage. Children come into our lives with marriage. Our extended families, they come into our lives with marriage. But it's important that you always realize that when you are talking about your marriage, the marriage is your, your spouse and God, three people. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes 4.12 that a threefold cord is not easily broken. It doesn't say a fivefold cord. It's not a tenfold cord. By the time you make your cord fivefold or tenfold, you are on your own. It's a threefold cord that God has told us that is not easily broken. So your marriage relationship, your, your primary focus is your spouse and God in the center of it. God in the center of it. So wherever, at all times, you must give yourselves maximum focus and attention don't ever neglect one another. Now, there might be, because we experience varying different seasons in life, there are times that, yes, your children might require attention. Yes, your father-in-law, your mother-in-law might require more attention, might require more of your finances. Maybe you have an uncle-in-law that, you know, is placing a demand on your resources for one reason or another. Those things will always, always come. But it is a problem if 24-7 your attention is somewhere else in the context of marriage and not your spouse. If your attention is still your mother or your father, or if your attention is your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, or if your attention is on your children. Because the parents will go. Your parents are not going to be there forever. They will go after some time. The children too, the children will grow up and they will leave the house. 
And if you have not taken time to invest in your spouse, in your relationship with, with your spouse, there will be nothing for you to reap. You will be empty. There will be no connection. Because the time you, must, you should have been building on your union and focusing on one another, your, your attention and your priority was somewhere else. But if you understand that marriage, I mean, the, I mean the individuals, the players in the marriage, primarily is you, your spouse, and God in the middle of it. It will affect whatever decisions that you make. Amen. Glory to God. The next thing I'm going to talk about, vulnerability, trust, and transparency. Vulnerability, trust, and transparency. And I know Pastor C has touched on this one way or the other in the other services. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They shall become one flesh. One flesh means that you are intricately intertwined with your partner. When you get into that place of marriage, it is no longer me, it is no longer I, but it's us being one being. There is us, one being, one us. Hallelujah. So you need to create an environment, first of all, where your partner can be open with you, where your spouse can be open with you. Amen. The Bible says that they were naked and not ashamed. Now, the, one of the reasons why some people are not willing to be open with their spouse is that they're not confident that the spouse can handle their weaknesses, can handle their shortcomings. If you have a spouse that each time you go to the spouse and you know, talk about issues that you have, all that you get is condemnation. Are you not a man? Are there not other women like you? Why is your own different? Then obviously such a spouse will, 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 will find it easier to recall to himself or, or herself and not be able to be vulnerable. So there's, it's, it's one thing for you as, as, as a married person, you know, to open up things to your, to your spouse. It's another thing for the spouse to actually create that environment, enabling environment, that environment of acceptance. Because you must understand that you are one now. So everything that the husband goes through, it affects you one way or the other. So you cannot afford to be antagonizing your spouse. If he's going through an issue one way or the other, it's going to reflect on you. So it is in your own interest to understand that if one person is suffering, we are the ones that are suffering. And so what are we going to do about this suffering? What are we going to do to alleviate this pain? What are we going to do to alleviate this issue? So you must create that, that enabling environment such that, you know, your, your, your spouse doesn't have any doubt that whatever it is I'm going through, I can open up to you as my spouse. And I'm not going to be condemned. But I'm going to get the support that I need. I'm going to get the help that I need. Even if, you know, I don't, I mean, they might not have a solution. Just knowing that there is a listening ear and there's someone that is committed to you one way or the other. It makes a whole lot of difference. And, it's, and that's something that um, couples must consciously guard against. Guard against. It's the responsibility of each individual in that marriage to ensure that there is vulnerability within that marriage, that there's nothing that is off limits between you and your spouse. 
When we talk about transparency also, you know, you must get to the point where your spouse can literally see to, through you. When people begin to, to hide things from their spouse, it's the beginning of bigger issues. It's the beginning of bigger, bigger issues. And again, you know, you must encourage one another, encourage each other, you know, make it possible for each other, for, for, for you and your spouse to trust yourselves, to trust yourselves. Amen. I was talking to a couple, you know, I mean, I've had conversations with them, you know, several times. And, you know, each time when they talk about money, it's always my money, his money. And I ask them, how do you people manage yourselves? Oh, today I don't have any money. Oh, I have to go ask my husband if he can fund this and if he can do this and do that. Oh, no, this one is my money. Oh, my money is for this and my money is for that. Go and let him go and use his own money and do what he wants to do. Forgetting that you guys are one, that when you went into that marriage, you know, your, your, your commitment to one another was that everything that belongs to you to, belongs to your partner. And everything that belongs to your partner belongs to you. Amen. So there must be that consciousness, that conscious building of one flesh. It's a foundation for marriage. It's one of the ways that you can ensure that your, your, your marriage is on the right path. Because this is one of the ways that God has ordained for marriage to work. That a husband and wife are one flesh. And one flesh in everything. Now, the practicalities of, 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 of how some of these things are managed will differ from couple to couple. But the foundational truth is that, you know, you must understand that we are one. We belong to one another. Everything that we are, everything that we have, we are one. And we must operate as one. Glory to Jesus. You know, if you have, I have two hands in my body. Everybody has two hands, you know. If my hand decides to go into that, in this direction, and the second hand says that it wants to go into this, in, that, in the other direction, how many of us know that it's confusion? I have a pair of hands, and the assumption is that those pair, this pair of hands, they will work together to achieve goals, to get things done. If one hand decides they want to go in another direction, then, you know, that human being is in trouble. If the hand wakes up one day to say, no, I don't want to follow the left hand, I'm going to do my own thing, then there's trouble in that body. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Learn to resolve issues amongst yourselves and in a timely manner. We learned a lot from what the, the panel um, discussed today about um, conflict resolution. You know, when, when you learn to resolve disagreements, when you learn to deal with differences in opinions, you get to a point where those things don't degenerate into conflict. But it's when you don't learn to manage those little disagreements, those issues that come up from time to time, because every marriage has that. When you don't learn to manage those things as they arise, when you don't learn to nip those things in the bud, then issues degenerate where you have conflict. And conflict arises where, you know, you, 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 I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a step higher from a, from a disagreement, you know. It's possible to disagree, and like they say, you agree to disagree, you know. But when one person then decides to dig in and takes a position that is unyielding, that they are unwielding, and they begin to, begin to then attack the personality and the nature of the other person, then we are getting into the realm 
of conflict, into the domain of conflict. And really and truly, the easier those things are recognized and dealt with, the easier it is for the sparkles to remain in your marriage. The easier it is for the sparkles, you know, to, 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 to keep blossoming in your marriage. Because these are the things that cause wear and tear, if I can use that language, in marriage. These are the things that tear at the roots and the foundation of your marriages and causes a breakdown in law and order. So when you notice things that are outside the norm, bring them to light. You know, someone, talk, someone talked about um, having a conversation. You know, there's a number of times when my husband has told me that, okay, I want to discuss an issue with you. I mean, there have been different things. But many times, I know it's around one particular issue. <laughs> so after a while, I told him, please, don't be telling me you want to discuss an issue with me. As it happens, just tell me. I don't want to be brought into that conference where um, you are accumulating, you know, the things that you have seen and you have observed days and weeks and months. I do not see anything. Please tell me when it happens. I don't like all these conferences on this matter. <laughs> and I do my best to amend, to amend my ways. Praise God. So there must be a principle that, I mean, through which, you know, these issues are resolved. Because some things might start as a crack. And if, it's not, if that crack is not addressed, the whole door is going to come off. The whole door is going to come off. So don't allow what begins at the crack escalate onto the point where, you know, there's no door again. The door has been completely broken down within your marriage. Like the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I think that's, I mean, a, 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 um, that's one wisdom that people can generally apply. And it just means that, you know, don't allow things to linger for too long. Don't allow issues to linger for too long. And if there are issues that you have tried to deal on your own, obviously I encourage people to try and address issues on their own as far as possible. It's not every small thing that happens in your house that you are then going to announce to the whole world. I was talking to someone, someone had an, an, an issue and, with his wife, and before I knew it, he had gone to call the wife's mother. And this is not the first time, I mean, several times, he has an issue with the wife, and then he goes to call his wife's mother. So I, okay, so what did the, wife, what did the wife's mother say to you in this situation? And she didn't say anything useful. And you keep going to expose your marriage to her. Of course, she might have your best interests at heart, but the marriage is between both of you. It's between both of you. So it's not every single thing that, that happens within, with your partner that you then go and escalate to the whole world. But you must recognize when you need help. You must recognize when you need the help of trusted friends, when you need the help of mentors, when you need the help of pastors, and don't suffer in silence. So if there are issues, obviously, that you cannot handle amongst yourselves, then please call out for help. Please call out for help. The Bible says that, um, you know, the same things that we experience, they are being experienced by people all over the world. Nothing is new in the place of marriage. There's no temptation that is not common to man. But there's always a way of escape. And maybe that way of escape is a wisdom from someone who has gone through that same issue and is going to show you how he or she resolved it. So things like, you know, I mean, your, your spouse starts to get cold spiritually. Maybe your spouse starts to spend, you know, more and more time outside the house for no known reason to you. I mean, there's some behaviors that you should ask questions. 
and you should not keep quiet about and allow things to, to degenerate. Obviously, in situations where you have differences, you know, you must learn to be understanding. And like Pastor T has said, no room for stubbornness. Be open, because when you are open to your partner, you are willing to understand the perspective that he or she is coming from. Take on his own perspective. Maybe there might be some, something that you didn't know before. Or maybe just try, decide that, okay, let's try it your way, even if you don't agree. That's what submission is about. You might not agree, but you just decide, okay, for the sake of peace, let's just try it out. Let's just try it out. And you might discover that you learned something that you did not know before. That you achieved the results that you didn't know you could achieve before. Just because you opened up to your spouse and you allowed them to have their way. Amen. So, 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 so I mean, and there, there are times that, you know, like I said, Ella, your spouse might be going through a challenge and they just need someone to support and to stand by them. Amen. In a time of weakness. And that's why the Bible says that um, two are better than one. When, when one falls down, you know, the other shall lift him up. That's what the marriage partnership is about. There are times that your, your, your partner will need you to support him or her and to stand in the gap for him or her. So you must be ready to be a pillar of support for your partner. So whatever you might be experiencing, someone has experienced before. First Peter 5, 9 says, Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. So take a decisive stand against the things that potentially can bring a crack in your marriage. Take a decisive stand and you must know that you're not the only one going through those things. Every marriage that you see now, there are stories that they can tell you of how, you know, they had issues and how they were able to resolve those issues and how they are where they are today. There's nobody that has, does not have a story to tell. So, but you must decide that you are going to take a stand against anything that is going to come between you and your partner, against anything that will cause a breakdown in communication, anything that is going to cause a breakdown of the peace and the harmony in your home. Hallelujah. Because people have been there and people have overcome. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, one of the foundational pictures of what marriage is, is the picture of Jesus and the church. The picture of Jesus and the church. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came and he gave himself for the church. The only reason why he came on earth, why he came to die, was not because of anything that he stood to benefit, but it was all for the church. It was all for the benefit of the church. And Paul was teaching in the book of Ephesians that marriage can be likened to the relationship between Jesus and the church. Jesus came to this world. Jesus, his commitment to the church was not for anything that he was going to benefit. Was not for anything that he was going to deserve. Was not from anything that he was going to get. But it was all for the saving and the transformation and the deliverance of the church. And Paul said, that is what a marriage relationship is likened to. So when two people come together in marriage... It's not all about you. It's not all about me. But like Jesus, you should be asking yourself, how am I elevating my partner? How am I adding to my partner? 
How am I improving my spouse? And it, it, takes, it takes real commitment. It takes real dedication for anyone to take that posture. That's where, you know, this marriage is concerned. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be focused on, it's not all about me per se. But it's about the good of my partner. It's about the good of my spouse. How do I ensure that my spouse is fulfilled? How do I ensure that my spouse is experiencing peace? How do I ensure, you know, that, 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 that my, my, my spouse is experiencing harmony? What can I do to make his life better? That was what Jesus Christ came to do for us. He came to make our lives better. Not thinking about the pain that it was going to cost him. So sometimes these things will, 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 will cost, will require sacrifice. But then it's not all sacrifice. Thank God. It's not all sacrifice. There's definitely joy and peace that God wants us to experience in that place of marriage. Amen. There's definitely peace. There's definitely satisfaction. There's definitely fulfillment. But when two people take that attitude, take that position that I'm going to be after the good of my spouse and two people are you know, pursuing themselves and doing it, you know, I'm going to be committed to my spouse. I'm going to give to my spouse. Then, you know, it's going to be bliss. You are going to experience bliss. Then your marriage begins to sparkle because you give up yourself and then you commit yourself to your spouse. That's what a sparkling marriage is all about. And you must learn that as you do that, you are not perfect as an individual. Your partner is not perfect. You must learn to celebrate one another. Like they say, the grass is always greener on the other side. I mean, you see people pasting, you know, when you go to Instagram, social media, nobody will ever tell you about the fight they had the night before. You will see a picture of a man and his wife and his family smiling. Nobody will ever put a picture of them frowning. (laughs) It's their best, best pictures that they will always put up on Instagram. And then you see, you know, the picture and, you know, someone's marriage and you think that all is going well. And then you look at your marriage, the reality of your marriage. The reality of the circumstances about your spouse and you begin to wonder, why can't my spouse be like this person? Why can't my marriage be like these people? But they haven't told you the things that they're going through. Amen. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a path. It's a path of progress. Marriage is a school of learning. And when two people commit themselves to always learn, to always improve themselves, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Your spouse is not perfect, but when he or she makes progress, celebrate them. They might not be where you want them to be, but at least they're not where they used to be. You know, there's something I've been asking my husband to work on for a number of years now. And every time, you know, <laughs> there was a time I called, if, in fact, my children also accused him of that thing. And, you know, that was when he, he, then, began to take, he, he then began to take it a bit seriously. And so after, you know, some time had, had elapsed, you know, I kept hounding him. Well, okay, not hounding. But it was something that I talk, on very often, talk about very often because I believe that he has the ability to do more than the level of commitment that he's showing. And lo and behold, he calls my daughter to ask him whether he has made progress or not. And the daughter says, yes, 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 you have made progress. And I ask her, you know, is she your wife? <laughs> Is she your wife? But, I mean, it's something I, I want him to do, you know, but, hey, 
I will do my bits, but I will accept the progress that he has made because I won't, I won't, I won't ignore the fact that he's taking baby steps. But I want him to take adult steps <laughs> and not baby steps. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, so you're, you're not perfect. Not, neither of you is perfect. So you must learn to, you know, encourage one another and celebrate wherever you are. You know, the things that you have, you know, discussed that you need to work on, that you need to be better at. You know, when one person makes progress, celebrate that project progress and cheer him or her up. Because really and truly, it will give the encouragement to even do more when you learn to appreciate one another um, the more. So celebrate every little progress irrespective of the imperfections that you can see. And finally, learn to reinvent yourselves. Learn to reinvent yourself. Explore something different. Do something new. If I'm going to live with my spouse for um, 60, 70 years, it is a stories. You have to not be boring. <laughs> Amen. You have to not be boring. So you must, you must create an environment, a union in which, you know, you, are, you enjoy each other's company. Genuinely, you enjoy one another. And so in the place of marriage, you know, you must get to the point where you're doing something new, something different. You know, recently, I mean, I told my husband a couple of weeks ago that, come, let's just go out. You know, I'm, I, I work from home, so most of the time I'm at home morning to evening, apart from, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, church and all that. And sometimes it can get so tiring. So I said, no, let's have our day out. We're not having any day in, per se. It must be day out. Let's go out and do something, you know. So do something different. It might just be taking a walk with your spouse in the evening. It might be cooking together for those people who are, <laughs> who are given to cooking. It might be spending a night out somewhere. It doesn't have to be an expensive hotel. Spending a night out somewhere. Learning something new together. But it's important that you keep looking for something to infuse into your marriage that brings excitement to both of you. Because it's in a place where, I mean, it's very easy to get to the place where your marriage just plateaus. I mean, things are not bad as it were, but everything just plateaus. There's no life, there's no excitement. And then someone from outside begins to excite your husband or your wife. You should be able to create that excitement amongst yourself. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Just look for just something different. Just switch things up every now and then. Switch things up in your dressing. Switch things up in your bedroom. Switch things up in your sex life. Read a book together. Learn a trade together. But there must be something new that you are deliberately infusing into that union to keep that union alive. That's how sparkles come. That's how you discover, you know, an, an area of excitement that you never knew ex ex existed before for both of you. That's how to ensure that, you know, both of you keep being excited about each other. There needs to be an intentionality, you know, and you need to be deliberate about it. Because like I said earlier, marriage does not work on autopilot. It doesn't work on aut autopilot, but there's an effort that needs to be paid, played, I mean, placed into it. So if you're going to express sparkles in your marriage, you as, an, as, as a couple, you must learn to, I mean, you're infusing something new, something different, something exciting into your marriage from time to time. And as you do that, 
you know, God is going to back you up. God's word already promises, promises, gives us promises around marriage. But there is a place that the individual husband and the wife has to play in ensuring that those sparkles keep coming forth. Those sparkles keep coming forth. You must keep polishing. You must keep shining. You must keep cleaning. You must keep washing so that the spark in that marriage can stay alive. Hallelujah. Let's rise upon our feet. Praise the Lord. We're going to take some time to pray for marriages in our midst this morning. In the first service, we took time to pray for singles. And this time around, I want us to pray for the married couples. I believe strongly in my heart that God wants to bring, and that's the reason for, 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 for this series. God wants to bring a spark. God wants to bring about healing. God wants to bring about restoration. God wants to bring about a newness, a freshness in your marriage. God is not boring. And so God does not expect your marriages to be boring. And so wherever you are, where your marriage is concerned, whether you are married in this place or not, let's take the place, the pose of intercessors now. And let's begin to pray for marriages in our midst. Hallelujah. I just want you to lift up your hands to God and just begin to call out, just begin to intercede. If you are not married, yes, you can intercede for someone who is married. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at King's Word Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email KMI Africa at kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 00 0640.